The following is a presentation of Main Street Preps, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee. It's the matchup we've all been waiting for. Lipscomb Academy in Oakland officially announced this week that they're going to play next Thursday, September 23rd, in a showdown between the top two teams in the Main Street Preps Top 25 rankings. We're going to break that down, interview Innsworth head coach Rock Badden, and give our thoughts on the biggest Week 5 games. With Tyler Palmatier, I'm Russell Venosi, and it's all coming up next. This is the Main Street Preps Podcast, covering high school sports all across Middle Tennessee. Here are your hosts, Russell Venosi and Tyler Palmatier. Welcome into another edition of the Main Street Preps Podcast. We are fired up for another jam-packed show today. I'm Russell, joined today by Tyler, who is back from a weekend out in the California sun. Tyler, you doing okay today? Doing good, Russell. How about you? How's how's your week been so far? Well, my uh, I woke up this morning to a maintenance guy standing in my living room. Uh, fortunately, he was kind of calling out to me to warn me that he was in the living room, so I didn't just come out of a dazed and a daze in sleep and just be completely shocked. So I, I was somewhat prepared, but um, took me a little while to come down from that. But now my my faucet and my garbage disposal are both fixed, so uh, we're off to a, a rare and start this morning. <laughs> Sounds kind of like a nightmare, aside from the stuff in your apartment <laughs> being fixed. I, um, I don't think I would want to wake up to anybody in my living room that I that I didn't know. But yeah, it's hey, it'll get you, whatever gets you going. Now you're ready to roll. Right. Yeah, that woke me right up. So. Anyways, we've got a uh, exciting week of high school football coming up. I think probably the biggest piece of news right now is that Lipscomb Academy is going to travel to Oakland next Thursday, September 23rd. Love these Thursday games that we can kind of give a little more attention to because Friday night, obviously, there's so much happening. But uh, kind of a, a matchup for the ages here, Tyler. Oakland, we've got them number one in our rankings, and Lipscomb Academy is number two, and it wasn't a game that was previously going to happen. So uh, pretty cool that these teams get to play. Yeah, I, I tried to. I hope I made it clear enough when I kind of wrote about this the other day. COVID cancellations just are the worst. However, they did make this matchup possible. So if there's whatever, if you're a silver lining person, that's how this matchup came together. It's cool that both teams were on the same you know wavelength that they wanted to have a big, a good tough game. And I know Oakland sometimes can have some issues getting games. I mean, when you're that good and so they've, they've got a great quality opponent and it's, it'll be a lot of fun to watch so many good players out there and the coaching just should be high level high school football. And like you said, being on a Thursday kind of isolates it. You know, anybody that wants to go cover it will be there. It's, that's going to be a crowded sideline. And I would assume some pretty packed stands uh, at Oakland. Definitely. And and so far, just from what we've seen this season, this is my opinion. I'm sure people can make their arguments, but it seems like tier one in the mid-state right now is Oakland, Lipscomb Academy, and CPA. Tier two, right, you know, Summit and Pearl Cone, they may, they may at some point play their way into that tier one, but Summit, Pearl Cone, Riverdale, and Pope Prep, I kind of view as like the next level of teams. And so as things stand today, we've basically got a round-robin style 
tournament to determine who the best team is because Oakland Lipscomb Academy and CPA are now all going to play each other. And in looking at their schedules this morning, I, d- I don't think they're, unless a, they have a big hiccup, I don't think they're going to lose um, any games besides when they play each other. So September 23rd, like we mentioned, is going to be Lipscomb Academy at Oakland. October 7th is CPA at Oakland. And then October 22nd is CPA at Lipscomb Academy. So by October 23rd, theoretically, we could know who the best team is definitively, which is which is pretty cool because, you know, obviously it's it can be really tough to compare some of these big public schools to you know, various different sizes of private schools, but they're going to play it on the field. So we will, we will know. It's pretty rare to get those for that to come together to, to have basically three of the three of the arguably best teams across different classes play each other. I mean, you don't, you don't always even get that and you don't get that at any level of football necessarily during the regular season. So that's uh, I would, I mean, it seems rare, uh, does it happen? I've not been around for many football seasons, though, Russell. Does this happen very much? I mean, not usually because you're not usually going to see CPA and Lipscomb Academy playing Oakland. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, Lipscomb Academy and CPA are both kind of on the ascension right now. And four mm-hmm. or five years ago, they I don't know that they could have necessarily held their own against the top 6A team, but they've you know come a long way, and so here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that leads us well, that leads me at least into one of my takeaways from week four. I got to see the CPA NBA game. And of course, CPA won 24 to 10. Um, and they base CPA basically dinked and dunked their way all the way, all the way down the field uh, with short passes and then pounding the run game like they usually do. Um, Cause that's kind of what the NBA defense was giving them. I think NBA said, Hey, we do not want to get beat by the big play. You know, that has cost NBA and some of his other games, especially against Pearl Cone when Barry on Brown got loose for a bunch of runs. Um, but, you know, the CPA defense was also stellar. They forced four tur- turnovers, and uh, the Lions are now 4-0. Uh, like I said, with Oakland and Lipscomb Academy being the primary challengers left on their schedule. So CPA is in a good spot um, ahead of all that. And then I think the other big takeaway that, that I had, Tyler, was uh, I think we only had about 10 canceled games across the whole state, including only one for COVID in the Nashville area. Uh, I believe that was Maplewood uh, Overton. So, a real good sign there that um, things aren't unraveling like they were a couple of weeks ago with 30 some odd canceled games. Yeah, that's, I mean, that does not, that's absolutely the trend that everybody was looking for. And I, I would imagine maybe some, maybe the Labor Day holiday played into that. And some, I believe schools have kind of, as much as you hate to see schools close or there to be kind of a, a brief program shutdown, some that sometimes that just allows everybody to, to get back. And hopefully that trend continues. I, I was not at a game last week, but um, a couple of takeaways for me, I, you know, I would say Dave, Davidson Academy might be the, one of the best teams. I don't want to say that they're quietly doing what they're doing, but uh, they're on a huge, still on a huge win streak and, um, and they're rolling along too. And uh, Devonte Phillips has been great for them. Wasn't too much in a big win over Hunter's Lane last Friday, but before that he had back-to-back 200-yard games. So I, I I know that Davidson Academy's on everybody's radar, but very impressive what they're doing. Uh, another one kind of skipping over to Williamson County out in, in Brentwood. Uh, Brentwood is not quite dead yet, I don't believe. They got their first win over Henry County. Uh, you know, I, I think they're they're coming along kind of like – 
we predicted a little bit. We, we talked about how that's they would maybe take some time to, to gel under a new coach and a new cast of players. But Davis White was was really good last week. Two hundred thirty one yards passing, moved it around, threw it around to a lot of different guys, including his his key target, Aaron Walton. Last one, I, I think we just need to be all be on Barry on Brown watch at this point in the year. To what what is he doing? What crazy things is he doing on the field? Uh, Pearl Cones, four star defensive back receiver, had a ninety three yard kick return last week. And I think it's amazing. It's just amazing the different things he can do with the ball in his hands. And it's not just and it's it's not just on offense where, where they'll snap it to him directly or, or get him you know get him the ball in the passing game or run game or whatever. It's uh, he's he's a threat. Anytime he has the ball, so he's. Uh, I, I think we need to keep track of all the wild things he's going to do this season because that's there's certainly going to be a lot of them. Definitely, yeah. We are. We've already been out to a couple pearl cone games, and we will continue to just because they are very much in the mix uh, of things. And with that, uh, we can talk about the Main Street Preps rankings real quickly. Uh, the top ten, which includes pearl cone, stayed the exact same. There weren't any huge upsets or anything like that. So right now it's. Oakland, number one, Lipscomb Academy, number two, CPA, number three, Summit, number four, Pearl Cone, number five, Riverdale at number six, Pope Prep at seven, NBA at eight, Ravenwood at nine, and Brentwood Academy at 10. There were a couple new additions this week, uh, Station Camp, 4-0 Station Camp, I should say, after they went 0-10 last year, is now in at number 24, and East Nashville beat Hillsborough pretty convincingly, so they are now number 25 in the rankings and those teams replaced Henry County and Springfield, who both lost and dropped out. So not a whole lot of change there, but there's those top teams have kind of separated themselves so far, Tyler. And um, I guess we'll just see if they can continue to um, to hold on and to not have any bad losses. And I'm sure they can. Teams like Oakland, Lipscomb, CPA, Summit, Pearl Cone. Uh, seems like that's kind of the class of the area right now. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head, and we've seen a lot. We've seen those groups and one that I want to see is Riverdale. Their defense has been so impressive. So I, that's probably one in the, I don't know if they're, they've got to be, I, I don't know where they stand. I haven't seen them play, but that's uh, the, the numbers they're putting up defensively suggest to me that they could give, they could give anybody a good game, but hard to know, hard to know until you see them play out, which again is, I think is why it's cool that the, uh, the top three teams are going to play each other this season. That'll be awesome. And another team that could play their way into that top 10 soon if they continue to doing what they're doing is Ensworth. And we are going to talk to their head coach, Rock Batten, right now. We are joined now by Ensworth head coach, Rock Batten, who has his team off to a 3-1 start so far in 2021. Rock, you doing all right this morning? Doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. How about this turnaround that you guys have had so far after the two and seven finish last year? What what have you made of just how well your team has played so far in the early going? I've uh, been been really pleased with with some of our progress this year. Uh, really been pleased with our upper class and our senior and junior leaders, and really our uh, ten seniors in terms of their leadership and and uh, keeping us focused and trying to keep us on task even through as you face adversity. Uh, you know, early in the season, it, you know, from the weather to uh, everyone still dealing with COVID. Um, I think that group has done a really good job uh, just keeping the, the, the rest of our young guys on task and focused. And, and we're just trying to get better every opportunity, every every practice, every chance we can, uh, focus on a lot of the, the details that we, we go through each day. And um, 
and just improve each opportunity that we, we, we get a chance to do that. And so, um, um, please on the start, uh, we still have a, you know, a lot of room to improve in certain areas. Um, and, and just trying to, you know, hone in on those, those areas and key, key, key spots and, and, and make progress. And Rock, when you, when you look back at when you were hired at Ensworth until now, what's, what's the process like taking over as the coach after being a coordinator and sort of putting your own signature on the culture at a school? What are some things that people maybe don't see? Well, it's, it, you know, one is, is, you know, first off, just having the right, you know, staff guys. I mean, as a head coach, you want to make sure you have coaches that, um, you know, not not just good at their craft in terms of uh, understanding the game, but they're they're good people. Um, and I'm fortunate to to surround myself with some you know excellent coaches, but even better people that you can have the right you know people around the the, the young men that you're coaching and and within the school walls and, and connecting with the students outside of football. Um, so that that's the that's the first part of it, I think, in terms of. When you come in as a new head coach and, and trying to create uh, the culture that you want, um, build off the culture that uh, that was here, which I was a part of way, way back when, it feels like. Um, but uh, I've been fortunate to have some, some a great coaching staff that uh, understands not only the game, but understands young people. Um, and then it's, you know, you know, keeping the same message of, of getting our kids to buy in, uh, not harping on, what um, the previous staffs or or previous coaches have done in the past, and just really focus on us and what we're trying to do, and and how we're trying to approach everything that we do each day. Um, and for me, that's just not with what we do on the football field. Um, that's you know how we carry ourselves on campus, how uh, being leaders on this campus, um, um, have an impact outside of other areas on this campus, and athletics academics or, or other leadership opportunities i mean our first year our, our our starting quarterback was a student body president and so those are the type of things that we want to create within our football program in terms of our kids not only impacting things we do on the field but also the entire school culture and then um you know get get continue you know support from our uh our, our faculty in terms of our kids representing themselves the right way in their classroom um and, and just creating the right identity of a uh, of a group of young men who are um, who are all in it together as a team, but um, they understand what does it mean to be Insworthy every day and in terms of Insworth student. And so that's that's the big pieces for us. We we tried to do from the start, and and those are the, the elements that uh, we're, we're continuing to harp on every day that will translate to the things we're trying to do on the field as well. Your roster, Rock, is loaded with uh, numerous Division One prospects and potential Division One prospects. And I know a lot of those guys were underclassmen last year. Um, so was it just kind of a matter of them getting more experience and uh, to be able to play up to their potential that it seems like they're starting to reach now? Yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're, I always tell people, you know, when you're in Division Two, AAA, it's the, it's the SEC. And every school – that we play will, you know, have, you know, outstanding coaches and outstanding players. And, and for us, it's, you know, it's always about development. We, we try to, you know, develop our kids from the time they arrive as freshmen all the way. And of course they're seniors and, and, and the way you develop is not only practice, but it's game experience. It's going to be different, um, uh, you know, on a practice compared to a, a, a Monday JV game. 
or uh, or a Thursday ninth and tenth grade game, and, and Fridays are different. And so, the more experience and 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 focus you can have on uh, fundamentals and and keeping kids on task is you know the better they'll play, and and also getting them in a situation where they play fast and not overthink it. So we try to keep our our, our scheme and what we do. It, it, it's it's I always say it, it's complex but yet simple at the same time, and. and when you can get uh, young people to believe in what you're doing, but also have the experience and not to overthink things and just react to the, the things that we're coaching, it'll, it'll allow them to play more efficient and, and faster and, and, and have a little bit of bounce. And so um, definitely need the experience. And, and, and obviously last year with the, with COVID going on, it, it could be crazy with young kids. And, and um, but we had a lot of guys who had a lot of experience that we play a, a ton last year, young guys. And, um, some of those guys are now sophomores and juniors and seniors. And so um, we just continue to try to get better um, each chance we can. Two big wins in a row for you guys, Rock. But let's let's go back to the Christian Brothers win. Your offense really came alive, and, and you credited the offensive line for much of that or at least a part of that. How well have Philip Gray and that group been playing? They've done a great job. Um, they they are uh, – we've been able to run the ball and They've done a great job protecting um, Levi. Um, obviously, that's going to have to continue as we continue to play uh, even more experienced teams um, and, and, and teams who are, you know are talented. But I think they've done a solid job at, at uh, allowing us doing some things that we're, we're doing offensively, and, and um, you know with, with you know even playing two sophomores in that group and. Um, but they're gelling together, and um, Coach Montgomery, who's the offensive line coach, has done a, a solid job of just, just working with those guys and fundamentally, and, and we're trying to put them in positions where they can be successful with what we do. Um, you know, Trey, Philip Gray, he's been he's been the leader of the bunch, um, but we also got you know Braylon Morris, who's a, who's a junior who's playing really well for us. So on both sides of the ball, Connor Stewart, uh, Jack Leninger, and Caleb Doris. And so they're, they're gelling together and, and, and understand what we want to get accomplished and know that uh, each week we're going to play a, a, a good defense who wants to get after us. And so we got to give our quarterback and our running back, you know, lanes and opportunity to get our, the ball in playmakers' hands so they can uh, make plays for us. And you guys followed up that win with another impressive victory, 59-6 over Nolensville last week. And Nolensville entered that game averaging 40 points per contest. How was your defense able to keep them in check? Yeah, that they were they were a talented bunch. I mean, we were you know going into the game. They, they have their skill players are, uh, are are extremely talented, and uh, you know Coach Pritchard and Coach Butler, our, our coordinators, did a great job in terms of the scheme. But I I thought our guys played really physical um, on defense, and we tackled well. Um, which is something we, we try to harp on and, and, and getting guys on the ground. But the big part of that is um, I thought we swarmed to the ball. And, uh, when, when they were getting the ball in the perimeter, we had guys flying to the ball and getting there and finishing plays. Um, that's going to be something we're going to have to continue as we go through. Uh, it was, we're hitting the mid-mark here this week of the season. Um, but uh, And up front, uh, you know, I can't say much you know, enough about the guys up front. Uh, Tyrone Ford and, and, and Philip Gray and and, and Braylon and, uh, and several other guys that we rotate in there. Uh, Nate Williams, they've they've been you know pretty stout up front the last few weeks. Um, 
and and also been able to get after the quarterback. You know, even a young kid, Ethan Utley, is a freshman, helping make plays. So it's 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 a you know defense is by committee. You know, you have to have a leather hat to the ball, and we're we're um, you know we did that these last two weeks, and and have to continue that this week uh, uh, with the talent uh, offensively that uh, MUS has as well. And when you when you fact when you talk about the defense, that one guy on that side of the ball that you have is, is Roland McGee certainly don't lack speed with him on the roster. Big track guy, Toledo commitment, but how is, how is he factoring in he in the secondary factoring into that defense this year? And what's been your view of Roland's play so far? No, Roland, Roland's been great. Roland, Roland's like our quarterback in the secondary. I mean, he gets us lined up and gets us in and out of checks him and Marquez Cooksey. Um, and, uh, you know, Roland, obviously, you know, his speed and, and, and be able to cover a lot of ground, but he's tackling well, making plays on the ball. But the big thing, he gets us lined up, gets us in and out of calls, and and uh, done a solid job communicating. Um, you know, we you know we always talk about limiting big plays, and we've been you know able to do that these last two weeks. Um, I thought I thought you know Charles Ingram played a, you know one of his better games this past week in terms of just being physical with that, that corner. So. You know, I think Roland kind of sets the tone. Him and Charles and other guys follow suit. You know, Jacob Page had a, a pick six this past week, and and also DeJuan Sharp. You know, you know Roland's kind of the leader of that group, and him and Charles. But uh, him getting this in and out of calls is key. You know, having a quarterback on the field is, is, is vital for us. Let's flip over to offense now, Rock. You guys have a receiving core that's probably the envy of a lot of teams right now, uh, led by Jacob Page, Shamar Porter, and and Duplay Trevilian. Uh, those guys have put up some big stats here in the first couple of weeks. What kind of matchup problems would you say those guys are creating for your opponents? Well, you know, one thing is, you know, we we feel like we can spread the ball out to to multiple guys. Um, obviously, those three are core. They've been they've been they've been vital for us these um, you know past two weeks and three weeks really. Um, and all three of them are, are physical receivers as well. They they do a great job blocking on perimeter. But I think all three of them have a different skill set. They all can stretch the field, but they all uh, all three of them can catch the ball in the trenches in between you know in between defenses, and they understand space and how to get open. Um, you know you you know we tell them you know we put the ball somewhere close, we expect you to catch it, and they've been able to do that thus far. And we're going to need them to continue that. But uh, you know the three of the Three of our, um, you know, talented receivers, but also, you know, having a guy like a Drew Bonner who can, who can make some plays and at, at our, you know, Tiger spot and, and and catch the ball and block on the perimeter, and, um, and even some of our running backs who also can catch the ball in the backfield. But yes, those three have been um, have been great for us, um, you know, these last few weeks, and we're going to obviously need that to continue as we move forward and um, give Levi's a, you know, a lot of options to deliver the football and what we try to do. Rock, I'm going to kind of shift gears as we finish up here. Uh, you're obviously a Vanderbilt guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you still keeping up with the Commodores? And were you were you encouraged by by their big win last week? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a I'm a diehard Commodore guy. You know, played there, coached there, uh, big supporter of Coach Clark Lee and the things he's doing. Um, I was really excited about you know the win on the road. It's, it's not easy. To, 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 you know, get a win, not alone, but one on the road, uh, you know, they showed a lot of resiliency, uh, in that game to, to, um, one to come back when they were, they were down and, uh, offense made some, some big plays there late in the game, but, 
you know, I was encouraged and excited. You know, looking forward to them, uh, you know, Saturday uh, playing against Stanford, you know, a matchup that, uh, you know, I always thought should happen anyway between the two schools and it's exciting they're, they're doing it here in Nashville. But no, big supporter. Uh, Clark is a, a great coach, a great person. And, uh, he's going to get that, you know, get that program, you know, rolling in the right way, in the right direction with the right players. Um, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll do a really good job. But yeah, I'm, I'm all in with my Commodores always. Die hard. Absolutely. Well, that's Rock Batten, Innsworth head coach. Rock, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, thank you guys for all you guys are doing for high school athletics and, uh, signing the coverage and things you guys do. So, Really appreciate it. And I know all the young, young, young people that uh, you guys showcase appreciate it well. So You bet. Thank you, Hoop Coach. All right. Take care. All right. Let's talk about some of the biggest Week 5 matchups across the Mid-State. First up, we've got to start with the Battle of, Battle of the Woods, Ravenwood at Brentwood. Tyler, I know you're going to be covering that game. Uh, it's your first time, I believe, seeing that matchup. What, what do you think about that game? I think it's got the potential to be one of those rivalry games that stays close and, and could it very well just be decided in the fourth quarter. But I'm not going to pick against Ravenwood here because I think Chris Parson is only going to get better as the weeks go on at quarterback. Uh, Florida State commitment has, has been playing really well as of late. And the, the Ravenwood's also been able to get Miles Pollard back, who factors into their offense and defense. And a couple other guys that haven't been healthy are back. So they, I, I really think that they are just haven't gotten close to their ceiling yet. Brentwood, I think, is improving, and I think they could put up a fight here. But ultimately, I got Ravenwood 35-28. And let's let's go ahead and say that uh, the winning score comes in the fourth quarter. Well, great minds think alike here. I've also got Ravenwood 35-28. And we, oh, we wow, second about, time this year. Yeah, we did not talk about this ahead of time. So we're uh, thinking on the same wavelength here. Um, yeah, I was impressed that Brentwood kept it close with Summit a couple of weeks ago. They had a chance in the fourth quarter if it weren't for a couple of turnovers. Um, I would not be surprised if they did the same thing here. Uh, that game, I believe, went to overtime last year. So it's just one of those. It's one of those. It's probably one of the top rivalries around here. I mean, I know that the Williamson County teams, they kind of go at it. You know, you've got Brentwood Franklin. That's a long time thing. But there's something special about the crosstown um, Brentwood Ravenwood matchup. So we'll see how that one. We'll see how that one goes. Um, staying in Williamson County, Davidson County, Davidson Academy uh, also goes to Battleground Academy. We you hit on Davidson Academy earlier. They've just continued to win games. Uh, I don't know that they've had a huge test yet, so I'm really interested to see how they fare here. And of course, they've got CPA and Lipscomb Academy on their schedule later on, so we are definitely going to figure out what they are made of here pretty soon. Um, meanwhile, BGA is off to a, a pretty solid start as well. They uh, they beat Nolansville and Nashville Christian School, and they were also competitive in losses to Ravenwood and CPA, which uh, a lot of teams can't say. So, that already uh, puts them above um, most of the pack. Quarterback Brett Brown has looked good so far. He's got seven touchdowns to just one interception. They've also got a senior running back in Sean Williams. He's got 461 yards and six touchdowns. So I uh, went back and forth on this one, but I think BGA is going to pull it out um, 28-24. Well, I've got Davidson, Russell. I like Davidson 35-31. I, I think when you have a, a running back who can run it, 
as well as they have so far. I know that they haven't maybe played the toughest schedule, but uh, I like I like what I've seen there. Uh, would you're on? You're I believe going to be at that game. That's your game. Yep, I'll be there. Friday. Yeah. Well, you'll have to give us a full report on how everybody looks. I haven't seen either team, uh, but I'm I'm pick. I'm going with Davidson, thirty-five, thirty-one. All right. Well, we shall see who's right on that one. Um, next up is NBA and Father Ryan. Um, another another interesting uh, D to AAA matchup, like Rock was talking about, the SEC of the, uh, or I guess the self-proclaimed SEC of Tennessee um, high school football. What do you think about that game, Tyler? I just think I've got to go with I, Father Ryan's had been off to a good start, but I just cannot. Uh, I think I'm going to try and pick NBA until I until I'm right because I, I think they've got to have a win in them. It's I, I still am impressed by what I saw week one against Ravenwood. However, I am aware that things absolutely do change after a season opener. It's just so much football to be played. So uh, I still think that there is a really good football team somewhere there with with Marcel Reed and the, those physical lines that they have. Uh, that's nothing against Father Ryan. They're off to a great start. One of their one of their better starts in, in recent in recent time, but. I, I do not think NBA's losing streak will continue. I've got NBA 28-21. Yeah, I agree. It's time for them to get back on track, especially with a date with Brentwood Academy coming up uh, very soon. So I've got NBA 24-17. I like them to bounce back this week, and uh, that's why they're still in the top 10. I think they're, I think we said number eight is where they stand. They're still above Ravenwood, and uh, but they need to eventually start winning some games because I – we can't keep a 1-4 or a 1-5 team in the top 10. But so far, obviously, their losses to Proco, Macaulay, and CPA, all uh, high-quality losses there. And shifting gears uh, up to Sumner County now, another um, rivalry game here, Hendersonville and Gallatin. Hendersonville at Gallatin, I should say. Uh, two neighboring cities that have that go back a long way. Uh, the Commandos this season, uh, you know, they got off to a tough start, 42-7 loss to uh, Oakland, but you know it's Oakland, so can't judge them too harshly for that. Uh, they've since bounced back with wins over South Warren and Rival Beach, um, so this this should be a, a pretty good game. Um, but Gallatin though has struggled; they are one and two this year. I believe one of their games was canceled for COVID as well, so they're a game behind. And they're coming off a twenty-one to seven loss to Station Camp, which is a team they hadn't lost to in a few years. So. Just with the way Hendersonville's been playing, and especially after that win over Beach, I've got the Commandos taking that one 35-14 over Gallatin. Yeah, similar pick here for me, Russell. I've got Hendersonville 34-20. I'm a big believer in a, in a good early schedule, and I think they've had a challenging as it may be to play uh, an Oakland, and, and a, that those are great games. I think they pay dividends, and I think they happen pretty quickly in terms of physicality and things of that nature so i'm i've got henderson 30 bill <laughs> hendersonville 34 20 all right well there is a look at some of the top games we will have picks for even more games on the site later this week uh mainstreetpreps.com and that's where you can find all of our coverage uh whether it's girls soccer volleyball high school football it's all going to be there so uh we thank everybody for joining us today and we will be right back here next week with another episode of the main street preps podcast You've been listening to the Main Street Preps Podcast, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee, with your hosts, Russell Venosi and Tyler Palmatier. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, 
visit MainStreetPreps.com.